0: Do you feel like you have a food allergy or an intolerance? Do you also feel like you can't bear the thought of going without your beloved morning toasty, your afternoon chocolate bar, or your favorite pasta dish for a day, let alone forever? Then this episode of An Authentic Life is the one for you. Today on the podcast, I talk you through the six stages of food intolerance grief, from admitting you have a problem, through approachable steps of elimination, to acceptance and beyond. Focusing on the two most common intolerances, gluten and dairy, I'll share my favorite substitutes for a nourishing and nutrient complete diet that will have you confidently saying goodbye to the foods you're not yet ready to let go of and embracing a new way of eating without the bloat, without the acne, and without the embarrassing and uncomfortable sudden trips to the toilet. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Get ready to feel empowered to change as I help you find the abundance in these so-called limitations. Welcome to An Authentic Life, your approachable guide to the imperfect journey of self-empowerment, holistic health and genuine happiness with me, nutritional medicine practitioner, Miranda Partridge. Together we'll learn more about ourselves, challenge our limiting beliefs and foster unconditional self-love with curiosity, experimentation, and a dash of dork to find what it really means to live an authentic life. Hello my friends, welcome to this episode of An Authentic Life. Before we jump in, I just would like you to know that I'm going to be launching a program really soon. Basically, it's a four-week program where each week we take out a different food group and help you to recalibrate, give you tools to take those foods out of your diet and recipes and just go back to basics with healthy eating. It's a program that anyone can do and it's going to be really cost effective. So I want you to keep an eye out for that. I just wanted to put it out there because it is a great program. I talk about the benefits and the reasons why we want to take out these four food groups. So it's dairy, gluten, sugar, and caffeine. As far as like a recalibration of your diet or even a detox per se, it's a really basic entry level one. So it may feel a bit intimidating to go without any of those foods if you never have before, but it really is something where I hold your hand through the whole process without you having to see me one-on-one straight away. So it's, it's the sort of information that my clients get on a basic level um, as part of everything else that we do together. And it's just generally the, the information that I wish that everybody knew about, would think about whenever they're creating food for themselves and eating. And I'm really, really excited. So it's called Back to Basics and it's coming out really, really soon. So please keep an eye out for that. This podcast will hopefully help you with that as well. And hopefully give you a little bit more bravery if you aren't too sure about cutting dairy and gluten out of your life at least temporarily Uh, and the other thing that i would really like to mention just quickly is i really do want to help as many people as i can and that's the whole reason why i'm doing this so if you could rate and review i would really appreciate it share it with a friend share it in your instagram stories tag me at Miranda's wellness, at an authentic life podcast. And if you've got any particular insights that you love from what you've been hearing from me and from my guests, I would really love you to share that as well. Today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit along the lines of what we've been talking about in our previous episodes. But if you have been listening to those and started to think, maybe I do have a food intolerance, I wanted to kind of guide you through what you can do to make it an enjoyable experience. I have been gluten and dairy-free for at least five years now. And when I say that, I do eat butter and I do eat ghee because they do not affect me in any way. And I do it very occasionally, like I've said in previous podcasts, I might very occasionally sneak a little bit of cheese or like a little square of chocolate or something if I'm at a party. But I don't do that all the time even, which is really progress for me I have to say but yeah I still I'm a human being I'm not perfect and I I don't expect you to be with this either but having said that if you do have a food intolerance it's really important to understand that that is causing you damage it's causing your gut damage and so if you have symptoms like bloating and diarrhea which are probably the most common ones that is really stretching your bowel and causing a lot of muscle spasms it's basically making holes in your gut, which is called leaky gut, which means that you're not going to be digesting and absorbing your nutrients properly. And sometimes whole food particles that have not been digested will go into your bloodstream. And that puts you at risk for things like allergies and autoimmune conditions. It's a whole thing. So we really want to make sure we're looking after our gut as much as possible. And especially from like an anxiety and a mental well-being point of view, our gut houses about 80% of our serotonin. And so if our gut is imbalanced, if our gut is Really, not feeling right, our serotonin levels can go down, and serotonin is our happiness hormone. We want to make sure that we've got as much of that as we need because depression sucks. And if we can prevent that in any way possible, I really want to try it, especially if it's a nice, natural way and through food because food is awesome. I'm all about food if you haven't noticed yet. Allergies and intolerances are really, really common, and I'm finding that gluten and dairy, most of my clients if not all of my clients, are allergic or intolerant to either one, if not both of them. If they're not, then at the very least, by eating dairy and gluten, they're exacerbating the inflammation of whatever underlying condition they have going on. So sometimes Even if you're not necessarily diagnosed as intolerant to either of those things, if you have an underlying condition, any chronic condition, an autoimmune condition, or just general fatigue, chronic iron deficiency, things like that. Sometimes it's good to just take a break from these foods and then see how you feel when you put them back in. Now I did have a question on my Instagram stories the other day about dairy in particular. How long should you take a break from it before deciding to put it back in your diet uh, to determine whether or not you are intolerant? And my answer is ideally six to 12 weeks, probably more like 12 weeks, because you really want to give your cells a chance to regenerate. And some cells can take three months to regenerate. You really want your body to begin that healing process in the time that you take these foods out of your diet. Some people can find immediate relief when they take dairy and or gluten out of their diet. And some people, it can take a little bit longer. So it is a very very person to person dependent thing, but ideally I'd like to see people do this for at least six weeks, if not 12. And when they reintroduce it, just introduce it once in one meal in one day and wait up to three days because it can take up to three days for any negative effects to manifest. So why is this episode called the six stages of food intolerance grief? Honestly, it's because we have such an attachment to dairy and gluten and while there are other food intolerances and allergies out there, like I said, these are the common ones and a lot of people who have to give up dairy and gluten have a really hard time doing so because it is so ingrained into the way that we eat that they're I guess a staple of our diet. And I know when I was growing up, they definitely were a staple in my diet. When I was a teenager, even, I would have toast for breakfast or cereal for breakfast. If I had toast, it would definitely have cheese on it. If I had cereal, it would be served with milk. And then for lunch, I might have like a white bread sandwich with that horrible plastic cheese and that really disgusting lunch meat on margarine. And that was my lunch. And then dinner would probably be spaghetti bolognese or a lasagna or something with one of those horrible packet pasta side dishes, which I actually really hated, but had to eat scalloped potatoes, something like that. There was always going to be some sort of dairy and or gluten in my meals. And so when I realized that I had lactose intolerance, I was 23 and I just started studying nutritional medicine. I was in one of my classes and we were talking about what lactose intolerance was. And I was just going, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, that's me. That's, that's me. And everything clicked. But before that, my normal was honestly, Every month I would have an episode where I would sit on the toilet with a fever and be in absolute agony trying to evacuate my bowels for at least half an hour. And I would think that I was getting gastro or some sort of stomach bug or something like that. And that was my normal. I would call into work sick or end up, you know, deciding not to go into uni that day only to find about half an hour after that was over that I was completely fine and didn't have... Any illness, and no doctors really could understand what was going on with me. And it really was when I had the understanding of what lactose intolerance was that I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I had memories flooding back to me of when I was a kid. And I think I must have been five or six, but I know my mum took me to like a homeopath or a, a naturopath, one of the two, and whoever they were told her to take gluten and dairy out of my diet i know dairy was definitely taken out of my diet but looking back on it i remember that mountain breads was one of the things that i was given instead of bread and and mountain bread for anyone who knows it is like a flat bread that's square shaped that is made from wheat so i don't know what the um the logic behind that move was (laughs) mum. But yeah, I definitely had to go without dairy. And I remember instead of having Wheat beaks for breakfast, I was given either cornflakes or rice bubbles with orange juice <laughs> instead. Actually, no, it was the Mildura juice, which I still, oh, I really like Mildura juice. I haven't had it in years, but it's really nice. Um, the big, beautiful cartons with the colorful fruit on it. Um, but yeah, I would have to have that for breakfast. And I had to do all of this during Easter one year. So my parents did like an Easter egg hunt throughout the house, but instead of chocolate for me, there was lollies. And my sister is still super sore about that because she still to this day is adamant that I had more lollies than she did chocolate. (laughs) She she holds a grudge for that one, which is quite funny. But, yeah, so that was definitely something that happened. I don't know why it didn't last. Who knows? But it wasn't until I was, like, 23 that I realised, like, because this had been going on most of my life. Like, I have so many memories of just being so uncomfortable on the toilet, even as a kid, and as it turned out, it was from dairy. I figured out the gluten intolerance for myself when I was... 28. It was when I was first dating my now husband and we were making flatbreads for ourselves all the time, having Greek food and using flour. And I started to retain a lot of water and I was working at a health food shop and a mate of mine, Sam, who's a naturopath, he was just like, I think you're gluten intolerant. And I was not ready to hear that news. (laughs) Uh, But of course I knew he was right. So I gave up gluten and what do you know, within a couple of days, the water attention just disappeared from my body. It was quite hilarious. So I didn't want to admit it and it still took me a while to accept it, but Eventually, I realized that no, I can't eat gluten. And now I've been living gluten and dairy-free other than butter and the very, very, very occasional piece of cheese for years now, and it hasn't bothered me at all. But that's what I mean. It is confronting Having to give these foods up because they are so ingrained in you and so normal and accepted to eat them in almost every meal. But the other thing about that is that they are taking up space in your diet where you could be eating more nutrient dense foods, which are foods that have more minerals and vitamins and that sort of thing. I know that one of the biggest concerns about taking dairy out of your diet is that you aren't going to get enough calcium. But if you are making sure that you're getting lots of green leafy vegetables in your diet, you're eating nuts, you're eating seeds, you're eating oily fish, especially tinned red salmon with the bones and tinned sardines, then you're getting calcium. It is a myth that milk and dairy is the only place that you can get it from. Really, I believe that it's just really good marketing, (laughs) that that's what we all believe. I remember the ads on TV where it's like just a tub of yogurt, a glass of milk and a piece of cheese is your child's daily calcium needs covered. Basically, it was black and white from memory. And it had this like really floaty music but that message has been going on for such a long time but the reality is a lot of us can't tolerate it and even if you can if you've got some sort of underlying inflammation which a lot of us do It can drive that. So if you do the program that I'm talking about that I'm going to launch soon, I've got a bit more information and a bit more of an explanation of my stance on dairy and on gluten because I don't want to waste too much of your time talking about that. If you are interested, send me a message, send me an email something like that and we can talk about it and I can make sure that you're one of the first people to know about that program. But for the moment, I just really want to talk about these six stages and give you a little bit of guidance through all of them because this isn't a linear journey, as we know. And if I can hold your hand in any way through all of this, then I feel like I'm doing my job. So the six stages. Number one is admitting you have a problem. Number two, finding straight substitute. Number three, relapse, regression, and restraint. Number four, empowerment through experimentation. Number five, acceptance. And number six, a new way of living beyond your limitations. And that one in particular, is something that I want for every person. So let's talk number one, admitting you have a problem. This can be really, really difficult. For starters, you may not have the information that you need to realize that you have an intolerance and you can't know what you don't know. So you could like me go through quite a long time in your life and feel that the symptoms that you are experiencing are normal because for you, they are your normal. You don't know any different and you don't know any better. It might seem normal to just have this constant sniffle, constant nasal drip all the time. It could be normal for you to have cystic acne on your chin. It could be normal for you to, like me, have to go to the toilet and have a fever and a sweats and oh god all of that crampy pain you could have a foggy head not great concentration. You could be quite fatigued. All of that could be normal for you and you don't know any better. So yes, what I'm trying to say here is you need to have patience with yourself and understanding with yourself. If you're only just coming to the realization that you could possibly have an intolerance to these things, that everything kind of happens when it's supposed to happen. And at least now that you know, you can make changes for the better. I know for me, part of my admitting that I had the problem that I, found the hardest was the opinions of other people and that's a huge pattern for me in general with lots of things which I hate to admit but it's true ever since I've given up dairy it seems to trigger people so you know I've had so many stupid comments about oh you can't milk an almond well my opinion on that is that we've had coconut milk and coconut cream for decades and nobody had a problem with that so why does everyone have a problem with almond milk It's hilarious. I don't even drink almond milk that often, by the way. I'm a coconut milk person. But yeah, I really hate that comment. It drives me nuts. The next one is, you know, the whole calcium thing, which I've already talked about. There's plenty of sources of calcium. One of them that is my favorite is broccoli, by the way. Yeah, a lot of people, especially medical professionals, have told me that I shouldn't be cutting dairy out of my diet despite the fact that I've been intolerant to it. So for those of you who are intolerant but still have lactose-free milk, cheese, and all of those sort of products, I challenge you to actually take dairy out properly because While the lactase enzyme is in those products to get rid of the lactose, it may not just be the lactose in the milk that you have a problem with. And in my experience, people who are lactose intolerant generally find they still get inflamed even though they're having the lactose-free products. So I still challenge you to try it. Go without dairy for, you know, six to 12 weeks and see how you feel. And then you can reintroduce the lactose-free stuff after that period and see if it makes a difference for you. As great as science is, by creating things like lactase enzyme for us, I think we still need to honour our bodies and listen to our bodies and often it's not just one ingredient in a food that our bodies can't tolerate. So really honour yourself and listen to that and at least just give it a go without for a while and see if it makes a difference. The last thing that I think makes it really hard for us to admit that we have a problem is that emotional attachment to the food. So like I said, these foods are a huge part of our diets and, you know, it's so acceptable to have milk in your tea, a latte with frothy milk, have a piece of cake for morning tea with your nana, and biscuits and crackers with cheese and a sandwich for lunch and all of these sort of things with gluten and dairy in them. And it it can be really challenging to figure out what you can eat outside of those foods, because if you just take them out and put in replacements, you can get quite disappointed because vegan cheese is not the same as regular cheese. There are some delicious cheeses out there that are vegan, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. And it's the same with gluten-free products they're not the same they just can't be because that protein that makes the dough stretchy and makes the dough fluff up and bounce and all of those sort of things it's just not there and so while they've gotten quite creative with the blends of flowers to at least give you something that's similar it's just not the same And if you feel like you're quite attached to a certain food, perhaps it's like a a parmigiana or a sponge cake or something like that, and then you try to make a gluten-free version, it just does not taste the same. And that can be really disappointing. And you'll also find that once you realize that you can't have something, you'll struggle to stop thinking about it. that's normal and it's okay. And The reason why I want to talk you through these stages of grief is because they're not easy and this food intolerance grief really is a real thing. I mean, you could argue, you know, first world problems, but these foods can make people really, really sick if they continue to eat them and learning an entirely new way to eat and to cook can be really difficult for people if they haven't been challenged in that way before. When we get to the fourth stage, I'm going to talk to you about how these limitations can actually be quite liberating. But until we get there, I just want you to remember that if you feel like you struggle with this, if you feel like you fall off the wagon, don't worry, everybody does. And it's totally normal. Number two, Finding straight substitutes. Now, this is literally going to the supermarket and finding all of those products that say gluten-free on them and dairy-free on them. They're usually in the health food aisle, but I can tell you a lot of them aren't actually healthy. So when you hear of articles or news segments saying that a gluten-free diet's not healthy, it's because they're usually just examining the quality of the junk food that is gluten-free and dairy-free. They're not actually looking at what I would call an ideal diet for someone who is gluten free and dairy free, which is mostly based on meats or vegetarian proteins with lots of vegetables, lots and lots of vegetables, lots of good fats, a little bit of fruit. The usual things that I bang on about when it comes to a regular healthy diet but things like pasta and the boxes of cake mix and I've even seen like gluten-free scotch finger biscuits and like there's a gluten-free bakery around the corner from my house and they make gluten-free croissants which is just a miracle and such a nice little treat to have every now and then bread of course those are the things that I'm sort of talking about especially from a gluten perspective. And they're probably going to be the first thing that you reach for, because again, you don't really know what else to do. You're maybe not feeling very confident in the kitchen and not really sure of where to start with replacing these sorts of foods. And I mean, this goes for vegan cheeses as well. You're probably just going to go to the supermarket and get maybe the cheese or bio cheese brands that are there or try one of the soy cheeses and that sort of thing on the hunt for a dairy free version of what you are used to having. Like I said, these are not going to taste the same. They're not going to have the same effect on you but they might just be enough for you to feel like you're not missing out on something. While most of my diet is all about whole foods, I do utilize some of these items sometimes because I'm not immune to wanting junk food. As a nutritional medicine practitioner, I'm not perfect and I love getting, you know, my, my gluten-free croissant or my gluten-free flavored biscuits that are kind of like shapes, but totally not at the same time. And I love going to, there's a place uh, in Camp Hill called Pit Stop Pizza and they do really good gluten-free pizzas and they also have vegan cheese, which is a cheese that I approve of because I've asked to see the ingredients and they let me because they're very nice I'm not opposed to getting that every now and then, but I'm now at a stage where I don't have them very often. And I want you to get to that stage as well. But you have to understand that when you start this, you're probably just going to go for those straight substitutes. And that's totally fine. Think of them like a stepping stone and don't put too much pressure on yourself. Please also remember to try and experiment, but yeah don't put too much pressure on yourself and make use of those and you'll find stuff that you do like, stuff that you don't like. The bottom line is it's nice to know that there are things out there that you can have. And we are very lucky to be living in a time where there are so many options available, abundant options available. Like there's I think five different brands of coconut ice cream at the supermarket. Even five years ago, that wasn't a thing at the supermarket. At health food shops it was, but not at the supermarket. You can get raw vegan chocolate at the supermarket now. That blows my mind. It's amazing. So yeah, we're very, very lucky. And I really want you to hold on to that positivity and remember that you are very lucky. Because if you were doing this 10 years ago or even five years ago, you probably wouldn't have as many options available to you at the supermarket as what you currently do stage three relapse regression and restraint so this is the stage where it's really about understanding that you may fall off the wagon You may even break the wagon for a while and completely come off and maybe even binge on those foods. Not that I would recommend you doing that, but some people do get to a stage where they're so sick of trying to navigate um, going to different restaurants and cafes and family and friends while having these foods that they can't eat that they just go stuff it and just stop eating it but it's something that happens all the time. And when it does, you get to a stage where you basically get sick of yourself because you feel like crap and you know the reason why you feel like crap. So at least you're at a stage where you can recognize what's happening and stop doing what you're doing, which is a really important aspect about listening to your body and honoring what your body is saying. Even if you do stuff up, even if you completely regress, that when you catch yourself thinking, oh, this isn't great. I don't feel great. I don't want to feel like this anymore. You honor that feeling and you change. And it's hard. It's not something you're going to nail overnight, but you'll get there and you just need to believe in yourself and remember why you're doing it in the first place. You're not doing it because you really want to be inconvenient for people. You're doing it because it makes you feel better to not have them in your life. So remember that as well. That's where the restraint comes in. It's the understanding that you're doing this for a reason remembering that reason, holding on to that reason the next time you're considering relapsing and falling out of the habit that you're currently in. You might notice that patience is a huge part of what I advocate for and that is because I believe we have way too high expectations for ourselves and in a way When there is a lot of chaos going on in our life, we like to have control over one aspect of our life. And that might be our diet because it makes us feel strong to have that control. But the reality is if you are controlling yourself, beating yourself up, demonizing food, then you aren't doing this from a place of balance and you will fall off the wagon in that way. I don't want you thinking about whatever food you have an intolerance to, whether it's gluten, dairy or something else, like that's bad and I can't eat that because if I do, then I'm eating bad. It's more helpful to think about it like that food doesn't make me feel very good when I eat it. So if I avoid eating it and eat foods that make me feel good when I eat them, then I'm going to feel good. Always aim to train yourself to come at this from a positive mindset. It takes time and you've got to have the patience with yourself to recognize when you're being down on how you're feeling and what you're eating. But once you're able to recognize yourself doing that in the moment, that's when you can stop yourself in the moment and change your behavior. So patience, relapse, regression, restraint, it's all about patience. Step number four, probably my favorite, is empowerment through experimentation. Now, I often say this on my Instagram, limitations fuel creativity. That's because when I take certain foods out of my diet, I find that I actually get inspired and motivated to start creating new things. And it doesn't happen straight away. And there's obviously some days where I'm not feeling very inspired, but often these days I'm much more motivated to go, okay, what food am I feeling like? And can I find a version of that on the internet or in a recipe book that I own to at least get me started to figure out how to make myself a version that will work for me, or literally just find an option online for what it is that I'm craving. So for example, probably the latest recipe that I found um, when I was craving something was I was making soup. And I usually, whenever I make soup, I either have some chicken or eggs or something like that to put on top of the soup, but I just really wanted rolls. And we currently in my house are not eating any grains. I really just wanted some bread. So I looked up paleo dinner rolls and what do you know, some legend out there has come up with a recipe that's completely grain free that makes these beautiful, fluffy little bread rolls. And it's pretty awesome. And I will put the recipe in my show notes because it's such a flipping great recipe. And I just, it's really good. I actually made the rolls with melted butter rather than oil because we also can't eat olive oil. It's a whole long story, but the recipe calls for olive oil. And I have since tried to adapt that recipe to make a crust for a sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free chocolate mousse pie, but still not crusty enough. So I'm going to have to put something else in there. Um, But it is just a really yummy recipe. And just from me finding that recipe, it made my brain start ticking over into what else I could do with that recipe. Like I could make garlic bread with that recipe. Like How flippin' delicious would garlic bread paleo rolls be? So amazing. And I don't get to have garlic bread anymore. So that's really cool. I know years ago I did a detox where the first two weeks of it I had to basically be vegan and it was two of the most creative weeks for food that I probably ever had in my life. I was so inspired to just utilize all of the tools in my toolbox as far as vegan food was concerned. And I was making cashew cheese and I was making these elaborate stir fries and, and salads and stews and all of these incredible things with tempeh and tahini and tamari and lots of things that start with tea apparently. Every time I honor the fact that I can't eat certain foods and I'm really craving something, I generally end up being able to make something delicious. And it's from years of failing. (laughs) really badly when I've cooked because either I've thought that I can make something and completely stuffed it up because I haven't used a recipe. And usually my mistakes come from making stuff up without a recipe. But this is where I've learned, you know, there are heaps of people in the world that have had intolerances for longer than me and are more creative than I am with food so why don't I just use their hard work to make a foolproof recipe? That is honestly how I do that. And it works really well for me. So just remember, if you're feeling like, woe is me, and you're really craving something in particular, especially if you're gluten and dairy-free, I would literally just go straight to paleo. Paleo carrot cake. Oh, there's a really good... I'm going to put a paleo carrot cake recipe in the notes as well. The other reason why I go paleo is because it's usually high fat, high protein and low sugar, which is really important for me anyway, but important for most people in my opinion. And also just makes it gluten-free, dairy-free straight away. So that's really, really good, but also isn't vegan. So it still has things like eggs in it. Yeah. It's just the easiest thing for me. I'm not strictly paleo, but mostly probably eat a diet that's very similar to paleo so that's where you find that empowerment because when you then make that food and it's delicious like You can only feel inspired by that. It is such a good feeling. So I really recommend that if you are feeling a bit despondent about this stuff, experiment. Experiment with the hard work of people who have come before you, but experiment. Once you start to really delve into all the different ways that you can cook within your limitations, you'll start to see things open up and you'll start to try foods that you probably wouldn't have before. And that's why I think about gluten and dairy more like filler foods, because for example, if you were going to make a bechamel that's gluten and dairy free, instead of just trying to do it with vegan cheese and coconut cream or something, you could boil up half a cauliflower with an onion, a carrot, half a cup of cashews. Put them in a blender with a little bit of tapioca, some almond milk, some nutritional yeast, some salt, and some white pepper. And then you've got some bechamel. And you can use that in like a gluten-free, dairy-free lasagna, or on some corned beef, or in a moussaka, or or simply just pouring it over some broccoli, however you want to use it. But You're getting a much wider array of foods in your diet just from replacing that bechamel, which is butter, milk, and flour with vegetables and nuts and those sort of things. So it's really important to think about this, not as your diet being closed off, but it actually being opened up. Because if you are stuck in this and you really feel like you eat a lot of gluten and dairy, likelihood is that you probably don't eat much vegetables. You probably don't eat much nuts and you probably don't eat eat much seeds either. And that's where things like folate, which most people don't get enough of in their diet. Magnesium, iron, zinc, calcium. They come from foods like that. So it's kind of a cheats way of getting those things in, but you're also replacing something that you're missing. It's pretty cool. I don't know. It, it inspires me. I find it very exciting and very empowering. And I really want that for you as well. Like I said, this is a stage thing it might take some time to get to this stage, but I got to that stage a few years ago. And I tell you what, bloody awesome. And I haven't looked back. I'm still at that stage, but also the next two stages at the same time. It's really cool. It's very fun. I love stage five is acceptance. And the reason why this isn't the last stage is because I feel like once you've really started to experiment with this, that's when it becomes really fun. And when something becomes fun, it's easier to accept, right? It's not like, Ugh, I guess I accept this. This is my life, whatever. It's like, F yeah, I get to eat my cashew cheese today or, or macadamia feta. If you haven't had macadamia feta, oh my God, so good. Botanical cuisine, I think it is. And the vegan dairy, they make really good macadamia feta, just a side note. But yeah, this is what I mean. Acceptance isn't like, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm dairy free. It's like. I'm dairy free and I don't really care what you think. It's when people can say those stupid little comments and you're just like, yep, that's nice. You're missing out on this delicious food that I get to eat that you're too closed-minded to eat. But whatever, you know, like you, you just you don't care about what other people think. You're doing your own thing. You know within yourself that you feel so much better when you've taken those foods out of your diet because you were intolerant or perhaps you just had underlying inflammation. Now you're eating a much broader spectrum of nutrients and phytochemicals and all of those good things that we want you to eat more of. Your diet's probably less inflammatory overall and you're probably spending more mindful time experimenting in the kitchen, creating food that brings you joy. Like seriously, what could possibly go wrong with that? Like that's the stage where I want you to get with this. You can get to a stage where it's just a normal part of your life and it is really, really inspiring. And I do recommend try to get your partner on board with this. Or if you're single, hopefully you can find a partner who is also similar to you. I was very lucky in finding Blake because he already had a few allergies and intolerances when I met him. And when we started dating, he discovered that he was actually allergic to dairy and also intolerant to gluten. He gave up gluten much later than I did, but the dairy he gave up, pretty quickly in our relationship because I was just like dude think you're allergic (laughs) and allergies seem to affect him a little bit more but because we both can't eat gluten and we both can't eat dairy and we both minimize the sugar intake we are kind of a team on these things it makes it so much easier because we're eating the same foods we're getting inspired by each other and getting excited and all of that sort of thing so try to get your partner on board but if you can't It's not the end of the world. Just get really excited about what you're eating and maybe just sneak it to them anyway. And hopefully they'll just get over their stuff. (laughs) That's my, um... Opinion on it, like I, I'll go to dinner parties and I'll bring a delicious meal that's gluten free, dairy free, and I'll cater to everybody else's allergies and intolerances all at once and create something super delicious, and it just makes me really excited. And I don't care if people want to eat it or not because I think it's really cool. But that that's acceptance. That's where you want to get to. And I guess number six is an extension of that. So a new way of living beyond your limitations. It's that understanding that you aren't really limited. The world really is your oyster. And, you know, there may be some very opportune moments in your life where if you're not a celiac, for example, you could go over to France and have a baked good over there and realize that you're not intolerant to wheat over there because it's very different over there. They're bred different. They don't have as much gluten in them. I don't know. But a lot of people find that they can go over to France and eat bread and that sort of thing over there. And literally not notice any issue. But even if that doesn't happen, you have worked on your feelings about this, the idea of eating those foods might even make you sick to your stomach without actually eating them. I know I can't, the idea of whipped cream just makes me want to vomit now. And I've been like that for years. That's because I know how it makes me feel. It's not just that unfortunate event that I was having once a month. I remember the feeling of just feeling really heavy and feeling like my whole body was dragging after I'd had a very dairy heavy meal. And I compare that to the first time I made my family a dairy free trifle at Christmas time. I used coconut cream instead and I made a dairy free custard from scratch. And it was delicious. And everybody, everyone who ate it loved it, thought it was absolutely delicious. And they all commented about how they didn't feel sick after they ate it and were able to have a second helping of it because it didn't have dairy in it. And I love surprising people with the food that I can create and that feeling because it's not just about, oh, wow, that doesn't have gluten in it. It's like, oh, wow, I feel incredible after I eat this food. Like it was delicious and I feel great. Like I love giving that to people. That is, for me, my life beyond limitations because I don't feel limited. I feel excited. I feel inspired. And I want to share it with other people without shoving it down their throat because the reality is If somebody else is not ready, they're not ready. And there's nothing that I can do or say to make them ready. Of course, I want to share what I've learned and how I feel with them because I want that for them. But if they're not there, they're not there. So all I can do is create something, offer it to them. And if they don't want to have it, I accept it. If they do, then that's great. But there are so many benefits to going through these six stages of food intolerance grief and getting to the other side. It is honestly life changing to be able to, you know, have a birthday party. Like for my kid this year, he turned one. It was really important to me that we had party food, but there wasn't sugar and gluten and dairy and all of the things that we don't eat because they're just not the foods that we eat. That's not to say that My son hasn't had gluten and hasn't had dairy. Like There is dairy in our house. He has yogurt, butter, and he's had all sorts of different treats from other friends and family members and that sort of thing. But for me, sugar is something I don't compromise on. So I made a paleo carrot cake, which I'll put in the show notes, the recipe for. I bought a natural green dye and dyed the cashew frosting that I made green and put that on top of the cake. And then with my own gelatin powder and some organic apple juice and that green food dye, I made jelly cups and I put carob bears in them instead of Freddo frogs. So they were bear in a billabong instead of frog in a pond. And we had cashew cheese and dips and vegetable sticks and corn chips and salsa and just all of the foods that I would want at a party. And it was great. I made punch, I made iced tea and everybody loved the food that I made and none of it had processed sugar in it. The only sugars in there were either from honey or maple syrup or from the fruit juice itself. But honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way and I didn't do it to show off. I didn't do it to show up other mums or make anyone feel crap. I did it because that's the food that I want my family to eat. That's the food that I want myself to eat. And I find it really fun to create those sort of foods and come up with dorky names like bear in a billabong for foods that I was used to eating as a kid that honestly are full of crap. And that's just me. Like I know that the way that we do things is totally different to what people are used to, but I've been doing this for such a long time. I just feel better for doing it and that's why I do it so I really just want everyone to be able to get to that stage with their food intolerance and their food allergies and I know obviously this is very simplified and if you have complex allergies it can be a lot I understand that trust me my husband has so many allergies it is really really hard but he still he's at the same stage as me with this he is such an incredible cook And it's because of his allergies that he is such an incredible cook. He's had to know how to cook without processed crap because most of the preservatives and the colours and the flavours that come in jar sauces and powders and all of the stuff that a lot of people just think is normal to eat, he can't eat. He's allergic to them. So he has to learn how to make things from scratch. And honestly, it tastes so much better than a jar sauce ever could anyway. So how are you feeling about this? Do you feel inspired? I really hope that you do. I know that it can be daunting to take these foods out of your diet, but if this has inspired you in any way, I would love to hear about it. Like I said, at the top of this podcast, you can Instagram me at Miranda's wellness or at an authentic life podcast. I'm on Facebook. You can email me Miranda's wellness at outlook.com. But if all of this is feeling a little bit too much, or maybe you're almost ready to dip your toe into taking these foods out of your diet, remember that I am launching my back to basics program soon. So follow me on Instagram and you will find out about that. Or you can send me an email and I will make sure that you are one of the first people to know about it. Or better yet, you can book in with me. Go to MirandasWellness.com.au and you can book in with me online there. I will be opening up some more availability soon, but for the moment, I've just got a small amount of availability on a Monday, a Wednesday, and on a Saturday morning. Above all, remember to listen to your body. Your body tells you so much all the time, and it is really important for you to start paying attention to what it's saying to you and honor what it is saying to you. If you want to live a long and healthy life, a long, healthy, and happy life, you need to start paying attention to what your body is saying. That's a big part of what I'm trying to accomplish with these podcasts is to teach you how to listen to your body. And I'm really excited because at the start of this week, I got a phone call from my mom who said, because of my podcast, she's given up dairy and gluten. And I am so proud of her because I've been trying to convince her about dairy for at least 10 years. So that's awesome. <laughs> Go, mum. Anyway, that's enough from me. I will talk to you guys next week. Let me know if you think that I should interview Blake, because I think that there's heaps that you can learn from him. Obviously, I think he's amazing. I married the guy, but he has been on top of his allergies for such a long time. He's an incredible cook. He is really passionate about looking after himself. And there's a lot of practices that he does that are even new to him this year that just blow my mind. It is just so nice to see him do that for himself. And I'm so in awe of the fact that I have a partner who looks after himself the way that Blake does. So if you would like for me to interview him, I need you to kind of rally around that and send me some messages or something so that I can show him and say, see, they want you on the podcast. I've had a couple of people who've said, yes, we do really want to hear him on the podcast, Miranda. You have to get him on, but he's not quite there yet. So if I could get a few of you hitting me up about that, that would be awesome. until next week, you've been listening to An Authentic Life. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Bye. If you liked this podcast, please share it with someone you love. Take a screenshot and put it in your stories or review and rate the podcast on iTunes to help new listeners find it. You can follow me at Miranda's Wellness or at an Authentic Life podcast on Instagram and work with me at www.mirandaswellness.com.au. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions and nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Miranda Partridge or any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.